This time on No Not The Mind Probe, episode 20, Art Immolates Life. John, in both Doctor Who stories this week, we see art that comes to life. And I was thinking, what art I would like to see brought into reality? I mean, there's obviously Benson, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Soap, Golden Girls, anything Susan Harris created, right. Empty Nest. Yeah. We've um, talked about Benson several times on this podcast. So yeah, yeah. That's why I think I think early '80s sitcoms had such rich, deep fiction, and <laughs> like Mork and Mindy, Happy Days, anything Gary. I, actually, Gary Marshall. I'd like the Gary Marsh, Marshall verse and the Susan Harris verse to come alive and fight it out like Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It, did you did, uh, just, just to clarify? I believe in the opening you said art immolates life. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to No, Not the Mind Probe. Just going from just a mm. utilitarian, just a very stark, sure. yeah, uh, a podcast where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Grant, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for thirty-six years. My name is Border Mason. Mm, uh, Anybody can industri- hang any emotion on that. It's just yeah, you let the it's audience like do the work. Yeah, industrial and mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 26 years, and I, I finally, I said yes. I said, you know what? I just closed my eyes and I said yes. <laughs> Each episode of this Her podcast, we look at two Doctor Who stories. We're going through the new Doctor Who series in order, and we're almost done with the second season. We just have a couple more episodes here. This is exciting. And uh, then our this guy over here, John, uh, he purports to be a Doctor Who sommelier of sorts and he pairs the new who with the old who john what do we have in store for us this episode well this episode we're just kind of treading some water (laughs) 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 but we needed to fill a week uh so we have fear her uh Mm. which is the um uh, the latest story in the david Tennant uh first series uh and uh, um uh sort of Again, killing time until the grand finale. Uh, and then we have paired that um, with, as you say, an art immolates life theme. Uh, we have uh, paired that with uh, The Mind Robber, a second Doctor story. I like for both of these, you said, well, we have Fear Her, which is another story <laughs> in the David Dennett. And then, and then we have The Mind Robber, which is certainly a second also Doctor story. It is story, yeah. a thing that happened. <laughs> All right, let's recap all these episodes, all of them. Boom. All of them. Take a good five minutes. Uh, so first we have, for the new Who, Fear Her, season two, episode 11 of the new series. It was released on the 24th of June, 2006. And John, you list, you watched this episode yeah. 10 or 20 times so that yeah, you could get a clip. And here's the clip mm-hmm. that you came up with. Kids run off sometimes, all right? That's what they I do. I saw it with my own eyes. Dale Hicks in your garden, playing with your tummy, and then right in front of me, like he was never there. There's no need to look any further than this street. It's right here amongst us. Why don't we... Why don't we start with him? 
There's been all sorts like him in this street, day and night. Fixing things up for the Olympics. Yeah, it's taken an awful long time about it. I'm of the opinion that all we've got to do yeah, is... Come on, you just said that's slander. I don't care what it is. I think we need to just... I want an apology of her. Stop picking on him. Yeah, stop picking on and me. stop pretending to be blind. It's evil. I don't believe in evil. Oh, no, you just believe in tarmacers with sat loads of kidnapped kiddies in there, though. Yeah, 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 that's not what she's saying. Will you stop ganging up on me? Feeling guilty, are we? Fingers on lips! All right. Very commanding, uh, David Tennant. Very, very, commanding. very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, all right. Well, here's what happens in this story. Uh, first off, it's the Olympics. It's the Olympics. Woo! We're marching and running, and there's flags. It's <laughs> the out, Olympics. Shout out to Ed Helms there, big prober. Uh, <laughs> right. From one of his early stand-up bits that only people who happen to... Who were at the Boston Comedy Club yeah. in 2001 would know. Mm-hmm. We are in the far-flung future, given the context of this episode, because it's 2012. Six years thrown, hurtled into the future. Yeah. Six years, John. The Olympics have consumed London, very similarly to how London came to a standstill and was consumed for the coronation in the Idiot's Lantern. So London is just always coming to a standstill for something or other. Um, Anyway. startled London. Yes. (laughs) So the 10th Doctor and Rose show up in a random suburban neighborhood, any town USA, and they find out kids are going missing. Hmm. We find out it's due to a little girl, Chloe, whose drawings seem to make things change in the real world. The doctor hypnotizes her, lending a little too much credibility to hypnosis, in my opinion, (laughs) um, and discovers she's possessed by an alien. Likely story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The doctor gets trapped in her drawings, so it's up to Rose to find the alien. She finds a spot in the street that always causes car accidents. She begins to dig it up despite protests from a city worker who is flummoxed by how she's breaking rules, which is my favorite quote from the episode is, you just took a council axe from a council van and now you're tearing up a council road. I'm reporting you to the council. Uh, that guy actually is my, by far, easily, no question, the MVP of this episode. Yeah, that guy's great. Um, you know, it's it's there's no small roles, only small actors. And he is he, he made work of that. Uh, Chloe, the little girl, meanwhile, messes up the whole Olympics. Remember, the Olympics are happening and that's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she makes the whole crowd disappear at the at the opening ceremonies. Yeah. The Olympic announcers mildly concerned <laughs> by this. Well, I mean, they are concerned, <laughs> but they're like they just keep. Yeah, with... but in a, in a, in a we, I, I wrote it down. The quote is: "All the Olympics are gone." Oh no, no, sorry. It's when the torch falls down later. It's like, does this mean the Olympic dream is dead? And it's like, yeah, someone dropped the torch, so that's it. It's all <laughs> over two thousand years. It's basically, I think Turlo was actually the announcer. <laughs> it's right, but again it's they show far more concern for the torch dropping yeah. than for about 400,000 people yeah. just like disappearing you know, a technical difficulty here uh, everybody's gone the stadium is empty uh so we'll carry anyway. on with the mr bean segment of the opening ceremony we'll yeah <laughs> so rose has uh the, the the little alien egg pod that has the alien in it that is uh my, doing whatever it's reality bending around chloe and she throws it into the olympic torch which happens to be right next to her at that moment which helps that's and 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 this sort of helps the world but then oh no the torch bearer collapses for some reason that i couldn't totally figure out the olympic dream is dead as you said the olympic dream dies and we all felt it but then the doctor appears Mm. uh 
I couldn't quite track where he was. I mean, he was trapped. I guess he's free now. I don't know. He picks up the torch, lights the Olympic flame, and the crowd, who have reappeared, cheers, and the flame and the positive vibes of the crowd kind of do a Ghostbusters 2 situation, (laughs) and just the whole world being happy sends the alien packing a happy ending, and Rose says to the doctor, we'll always be together. And the doctor says, um... Well, uh, maybe. Uh, Is that funnel cake? Do you want some funnel cake? Let's get some funnel cake. Uh, So, yeah, that was this weird, very, very odd story, which, by the way, I have many questions about this, but I just want to open off asking for things you have on this is, was London that psyched about the Olympics six years ahead of the Olympics? That just seems so strange. Like, I I think it was. So I think. I think the British did get very, I don't know. So I think, yeah, I think it must've been just, a, it must've been announced around that time or something. People would think it was on everyone's it. mind. Yeah. But I mean, remember they did kind of get freaked out. Um, uh, like they, they remember they wasn't going to be ready. They all basically thought they were going to be ready. And the implication was like, you know, the whole thing's being held together with, you know, sticky tape and, and it was all going to fall apart. Like a very British understatement. Even, even I remember, um, uh, it's when Michael Sheen was guest starring on 30 Rock. Uh, and uh, he's like, um, he's at one point he has a line where he's like, I'm just worried about, I can't know. I can't go back for the London Olympics, Liz. We're not prepared. <laughs> it's like we don't, we don't have as much control over our people as China. <laughs> and I feel like the rest of the world, like the Olympics happened. We're like, yeah, that was fine. I don't know. Very cool. sound, yeah. Seemed like an Olympics. I don't James know. Bond picked up the queen. Mr. Bean conducted a symphony. Like what do you want? Yeah. Fine. Yeah. So they were, they were very, it was a big, and there were, I think TV shows about like sitcoms about them preparing. It was a, it was a thing. Um, it was just funny, but to be that excited six years ahead of time that like, we're really feeling the olympic spirit now but like you said maybe the announcement had just happened yeah and so it must yeah. have been yeah for some reason it was on their mind yeah um yeah this is a weird episode this is by a guy named matthew uh graham who is uh he was the head writer or creative series called life on mars i don't know if you ever they tend to yeah. do a u.s version but the um apparently didn't last but there's a british version i have not seen um but it's supposed to be pretty good right it's, it's a guy who's it's like a sci-fi show and he's 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 simultaneously a cop in the seventies and a cop in the present day. And it's not clear, which is a dream. Is that the basic, basic thrust of it? Yeah. It's sort of reality bending. I remember it just being, it's funny because I remember it being very well written and um, kind of a good combination of like a, a gritty cop thing, like you said, with also very sci-fi elements. Uh, it was very cool. Yeah. Um, so according to Russell T. Davies, this episode was deliberately aimed at kids. Uh, it was meant to be somewhat <laughs> really? simpler. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's a, if that's a bit of a retcon. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, mm. it was meant for kids. Um, uh, I mean, it is an interesting uh, is sort of tracking the, you know, a kid's, I guess, being able to do this is something kids would imagine, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, I think the child, I think Chloe, the child actor, is pretty good. Uh, yeah, she's I think good. She plays it well. The mom to me is always a bit of a. I think people also said the mom's performance is good, but it's like she's really blase about the whole situation. And like at one point, they're like, she's possessed by an alien. You got to watch her. And then she draws the doctor because the mom is like downstairs making tea and roses. Come like, why weren't you watching? It's like, why? Yeah, why weren't you? You just were told your daughter's an alien. And you're like, well, I'm going to make some tea, I guess. <laughs> Things well, to do. I don't have time to do that. <laughs> Oh, that's why, like, I don't necessarily. Uh... I guess the plot is simple, as you say. It's not so much that as that it's just, I don't know. It's a very strange, 
actually it's the complication of connecting it to the the olympics and all these other things it seems weird like just this idea that you have this sort of secluded girl with um not mental issues isn't the right term but she has like some emotional baggage from her past and her dad and it's because she now has this power of being able to bend reality it's sort of that's why it's sort of going bad that's an interesting enough idea it's just not executed well and the olympics do seem like a weirdly unneeded complication <laughs> yeah. but as you say it might have been like olympic fever swept swept london for 10 or 15 years apparently <laughs> and it felt topical i don't know but it seems very out of nowhere um yeah yeah um because uh... i feel like i would have wanted to explore more the boundaries of what this is it was basically right. just she had her drawings the drawings went rogue um we never quite really got to the edge of like so what is it? kind of more about the alien too is like why do they do this it was spoken to a little bit but like it's lonely, why would right? Are they traveling there's well that's one part of it there is millions of them. why it's an why it's a bit of a weak episode there is a massive exposition dump like as soon as he figures yeah. out what it is it's like just five minutes of just plot dumped uh very quickly and it's like oh oh my um uh and, and yeah so it's like okay well I, just kind of quickly explaining the whole story if you don't pay it very close attention to that one part you're kind of out of luck um it has the effects are okay i guess interesting some of the but it's just basic animation that's uh, cool i mean i think it's actually a hard of kind of cool where it has the blob of the sc- the scribble yeah, scribble. yeah that was interesting. I, I think they do a fine job i think it's actually a difficult thing to do which is to sort of show 2d mm. drawings existing in uh, as 3d um and i don't know if you saw soul which is the latest pixar movie that came oh, out I've in december i haven't seen it it's very very good and also mm-hmm. they do a little bit of that where there's some elements that are two-dimensional and just the way they the way they have those things interact with the most of what's around it which is 3d is very good it's one of those things that when you see it done really well you're like oh yeah that's mm-hmm. good <laughs> and then you realize it's kind of hard to do um without it feeling a little out of place but yeah i didn't think the effects were any anywhere near like cringeworthy or anything i think they did a good job yeah um yeah it, it is it doesn't it is very simple it doesn't quite all hang together i, I think i also wrote a note the torch keeps coming even though everyone in the state so the entire stadium has disappeared everybody's seen it right and then everybody suddenly reappears and they're like oh i guess we just keep going then <laughs> like just no need to no need to upset our plans everybody like we'll just keep rolling here um yeah, that was, uh, they, there's also got like sort of. The, I love the cliche of the old woman who's the wise old woman who knows everything, who sees and senses everything. There's trouble in the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. Um, the only other really thing that I noticed that I guess I hadn't seen before is um, uh, stay with me here. Uh, he keeps there. There. Well, I like how Rose uh, is on her own for quite a bit and kind of figures out. Right. How to deal with it. Because he gets cool. trapped in yeah. the drawing. So that's kind of good. It's sort of seeing her as, you know, she's becoming independent, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, and he keeps referring to her as Lewis. So that's a reference to Inspector Lewis. So, he, so they're like, oh, we're police inspectors investigating. Isn't this fun? And Morse is the most famous one. Now, Morse's assistant is Inspector or is Detective Sergeant Lewis. You're saying this is from a famous TV yeah, show? Big famous mystery show, right? And so uh, Morse's uh, uh, assistant is Lewis. Now, Morse dies eventually. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. Um, and then Lewis becomes an inspector, and then his detective sergeant is played by an actor called Lawrence Fox, who is married or was married to Billy Piper. 
There you go. It's like Kevin Bacon. So I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he keeps referring to her as Lewis, and her actual husband is Lewis's assistant. I mean, it's just wow. I laughed. I laughed for a good twenty minutes. You laugh? Oh, interesting. You laughed. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting reaction to all that information. Yeah, a lot going on there. I mean, but that's the. It's you got to have that kind of steel trap mind to really fully appreciate the layers of fear. Mm, mm, yes. Well, you have more of your martini. John and I'm gonna and I'm gonna move on to the classic episode here uh, a classic called the mind robber this is season six serial two of the original series it's five episodes long it was released before, between the 14th of September and the 12th of October 1968 John you have uh, prepared a little quip Using what do we use this week? Camtasia, Audacity. Yeah, we're back to Camtasia because Audacity is not working out so hot. So we're back to Camtasia. Camtasia, I strayed. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm back. I'm back to you, baby. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it didn't feel right the last two episodes. Here's the mind robber. To bring the whole planet Earth under our control and its people, we have no wish to destroy them. Merely adjust their minds to suit our purpose. Sausages! Man will just become like a string of sausages all the same. Man will simply vanish from the earth and reappear here. Leaving the earth undamaged and uninhabited for you to take over. Precisely. If I cooperate. You have no alternative. You are part of the master brain. So the computer feeds off my thoughts, does it? Correct. Then it will create what I think. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. You're now under control of the master brain. Are you so sure? You couldn't control my mind before, and you certainly can't control it now. Submit! No! You've given me equal power. It's now a battle of wits between you and me. All right. There we go. All right, that was the mind robber. There it is. In a nutshell, that in was that, the mind robber. Kind of, actually, yeah, pretty much. That was the plot yeah. summed right up there. <laughs> yeah, actually, what I'm going to say now doesn't really. Mm. I don't know. Mm. He summed it up pretty well. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give my take on things. Uh, this mm. is the second doctor, and then we have Jamie, the the Scots Scotsman, and a new to me companion. Zoe are trapped. In some apple flavored lava. Another Ed Helms reference. Another Ed Helms. Again, Boston Comedy Club, (laughs) 2001. Ed Helms. I'm not actually sure if it's apple flavored, but the lava that is consuming the TARDIS does look delicious. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're stuck in this lava. They can't escape using normal means because of reasons, and they have (laughs) to send the TARDIS through another dimension, kind of like in Rise of the Cybermen, actually. And when the TARDIS arrives, they are nowhere, a void. And it, it drives them crazy, shades of edge of destruction. Uh, Jamie and Zoe start seeing things outside the TARDIS and are drawn into the void and they get lost. The doctor whines a lot. And he's very, he has a very odd affect. This, now I've only seen maybe two two or three stories with the second doctor. Just, Maybe two, only one. just one just one this will be just your one second. okay yeah. I, I found his character very odd in this one and i didn't know if it was meant to be driven by what was going on around them but he was very whiny and kind of like a child a lot of the time in it like he kept going oh no where are they and like shaking his hands <laughs> it was very strange to me um 
He ultimately finds his companions, and 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 we determine that they're in a land populated by fictional characters. Jamie weirdly becomes another person for about twenty minutes for <laughs> not a great reason. Um, the the world's strings are being pulled, uh, and this is what we just heard by someone called the Master, but whose words. <clears throat> well, they called him. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> his, his, his words become reality in this world, and. This has somehow all been a trap to lure the doctor to replace the master and somehow draw all of Earth into this fictional land. I'm not sure how. So that some aliens who are actually in control can take over Earth. Seems like a long way to go. Maybe just go and shoot everybody on Earth instead. I don't know. Anyway, the doctor sees that they can defeat the fictional characters by not believing them believing in them which is sort of a reverse tinkerbell effect Mm -hmm. and uh, also that he can conjure up characters to kind of fight on their side so it comes down to a battle between the master and the doctor where we see what we've really always wanted to see cyrano versus lancelot um ultimately a weird comic strip character from the far-flung future Mm -hmm. of the year 2000 Carcass. carcass a weird vaguely german muscle man uh, he helps the doctor win the day, and it ends. I don't know. Rapunzel <laughs> is there too, and it, it's it's is a very this is a very weird episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this is a weird episode. There's a lot going on uh, behind the scenes. Um, it isn't so. This is by a, a, a guy named Peter Ling. Uh, this is the only story he ever wrote uh, mm. for Doctor Who. I say to those things, but I think he was also a children's television writer. So the parallel okay. is also aimed somewhat younger. Now this one I could see aimed at children because it, yeah. it features characters that they know and things like this. Uh, Rapunzel, Medusa, basically like if you're in like sixth grade middle school you know all these characters these right. are all things from that you're probably gulliver i've never actually read gulliver's travels but i feel like kids know the stories because of the little people the lilliputians right Not, yeah I, though, like, I, you, you read it when you're older but the story lines are known or something, right? that's right i similarly have never read it but i was definitely aware of it as a kid um i feel yeah. like it was referenced a lot i actually don't even know if I even was assigned to, I read it when I was older. I think it might've been something that was heavily in culture in the middle of the century. And so like people growing up in that area Mm -hmm. era, like it's very common to them, but I don't think anyone knows about it now. Yeah. It's supposed to be satire. Yeah. I I guess I should add that to my list. Um, uh, Yeah. So anyway, uh, Peter Ling um, aimed at kids. Um, It is, it is a cool idea in, in a lot of ways. Um, and and I, it, it's clear that some thought has gone into it. I, I do think it's very clever um, how the doctor realizes he cannot, he has to be careful of writing himself into the fiction, right? That the whole point is to trap him. Uh, and if he, if he describes himself, then he becomes fiction uh, and, and is taken out of the world, right? So, so the trap is that he writes himself into the story. Um, and he's become very conscious of that and try, and so he has to stop preventing me. I thought that was a neat idea and could have been done a little bit more. Um, and then I also, again, the idea that someone did think this out, believe it or not. Um, but like the, um, uh, him 
uh, you know, he, he says Medusa's not real. The unicorn's not real. But then when the carcass comes along, she's like, oh, he's not real. He's like, I don't, I've never heard of him. I, I don't know. It's not real. <laughs> right. Like, right. Like, just, so someone had clearly thought it through um, on a level. Uh, it probably could have used a couple more drafts, but um, uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, they do reference. This is the master, but not the master, uh, uh, the master. They that, reference that. Well, um, so the master that you have seen in the demons, uh, the demons, uh, he um, he has not appeared yet. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, but the, this character is called the master, um, but uh, uh, and they never mention this. Um, uh, the final battle could have been more interesting. Like, I mean, you know, again, it sort of leads yeah. up to he can create any characters from fiction. So, you, I mean, you can imagine the new series doing really cool stuff with this, right? And, and bringing in a whole bunch of and, and sort of extending that quite a bit. Um, obviously, I think they're pretty limited by resources. Although some of the effects, I mean, Medusa is reasonably impressive. Uh, well, the Medusa, <laughs> they did a almost like a Harryhausen yeah. effect, and I wonder if that was a stock footage from something so else. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I thought, yeah, what's funny, yes, they could have maybe done with better effects, and maybe because of this is why the battle played out as it did, but it's very slow, and one of the cool things about this is that, oh my gosh, you have these two geniuses creating fiction, and it is moving at a glacial pace. Like you would think this would be happening at like the speed of thought where yeah. they're trying to, he's trying to dream up one thing and the, and the doctor's like combating him with another, but they're just saying really simple things. And then the doctor says a really simple thing, but back it's like, I dreamt a sword is going to smash you. And it's like, and I dreamt a shield and yeah. it's like, well, okay. And, <laughs> and then one, and one time there's some, a little thrust and parry of, of that, of the, the, the two fictions battling each other. And the doctor stops and is like, aha, I found, I fooled you. It's, it's going to take more than that to get around me. It's like, this is not at all believable that this is, there's any sort of suspense here. It's pretty simple. So I don't think that was, again, yeah. maybe it's a problem with the portrayal and they just couldn't really portray it moving that quickly, but it just didn't, I don't know. It fell flat for me. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like I just, the idea, I, I guess, of having that battle of thought. Yeah. But well, I, mean, I mean, that would be, I mean, work. it would be, um, again, I think if it were in the hands of Russell T. Davies or somebody, they would have been like, this is exactly how kids play, right? It's like, aha, I should hit you with my sword. Aha, I have a bigger sword. Or aha, I have a shield, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that, and so playing up, that would be pretty cool. Um, there is um, uh, there is a, uh, a theory that this is all a dream. So that, uh, so, huh. so what happened uh, is they, um, the episode before is called the dominators uh, and that episode was severely underrunning. And so they cut it to five episodes uh, and then they needed a, another additional episode. Um, and so episode one is actually not written by Peter Ling. It's written by Dennis Spooner, who's the producer. Um, and he, or Derek, one of them, I think Dennis, uh, Derek Sharon. Anyway, um, and basically, they were like, "You, we got to do one more episode. Like, you can have no guest actors, no sets, uh, and basically no money. You can't build anything new." So they found those white robots are old costumes from another TV show that uh, they happen to have in storage, uh, and they just had you know this white room. They just painted the set white, um, and then they just had the main cast. Um, and so that whole first weird first episode is sort of just oh we need to set up a prequel here but we don't have <laughs> we don't we don't have any money or anything <laughs> truly else. literally killing time yeah, exactly um, all of the episodes are very short all of them underrun and uh, the final episode is only eighteen minutes long it's the shortest uh, Doctor Who episode of all time um, they also ran into other problems uh, so the reason Jamie 
uh, changes actors um, in the oh, second episode okay. is he got the chicken pox uh, and could <laughs> so they just had to get another actor. So they were like, oh, we got to have another actor. And then so it's actually pretty clever. They're like, okay, well, he got frozen in the thing and the doctor puts his face together wrong. And then the guy, this guy named Hamish Wilson, and they brought him in. And, wow. Well, there we go. Um, I, uh, so they're on that tight of a schedule that yeah. they're just like, we don't have time sorry, to I guess. <laughs> just write him out. Um, uh, you ha- you are meeting a Wendy Padbury as Zoe or Zoe. Uh, she is supposed to be a genius from the far future. Um, introduced to a, a few episodes ago, or I guess just a couple. Yeah, just a couple episodes before this. Um, uh, and um, uh, she uh, uh, always jokes about the the scene where the TARDIS explodes, and it's just her on the uh, on the console spinning in in darkness with. Uh, and um, you know, uh, Fraser Hines, who is the who played Jamie, was like, "Yes, it was very difficult to act with her because everyone was just looking at her butt while it was going around." <laughs> um, <laughs> That's uh, funny. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, um, uh, the the Gulliver uh, character. Um, all of the lines were from the book. Uh, like he doesn't huh. speak an original line of dialogue, apparently. Uh, so there, again, it's a it's a story that has a lot of neat ideas. Oh, but, so anyway, the suggestion was. So after the first episode, it's sort of weird. Um, he's sitting in a chair uh, and uh, and kind of goes into this trance, and that's when the TARDIS explodes and whatnot. Uh, and then when it, it just this episode just kind of ends, right? They're just kind of like, nope, well, that's over. Uh, <laughs> and when uh, the next episode, the invasion starts, he's back in the chair again suddenly. Um, and so there was always this theory. Well, maybe it was all a dream because it doesn't make. I mean, the land of fiction. There's really another ident- a, you know, yeah. universe of fiction. Uh, it doesn't doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. So like, maybe it's, it's, it's a dream. <laughs> and you know, we we've talked before about the uh, magic and science mm-hmm. part of, and this is very much toward the magical. Yeah. And it's thrown in there of like, oh, it's because of these aliens and they do this, and it's like, wow, this is again, like I said, it's a really complicated thing to pull off that feels like magic to translate someone's thoughts into reality in the like you know it it, it really feels more like harry potter yeah, yeah. you know than uh than a yeah. doctor who um you yeah you've, you've kind of hit so pat Troughton. the performance is interesting here uh he's he was very tired he's getting tired um so another thing that apparently happened during this episode is um so Troughton was very famous for uh you know he he it was a lot of work um, to to do these performances, and and he he was like, look, you know, I'm carrying, you know, when they said we're going to do this first episode, it's just going to be you guys. He's like, well, now I have we have twice the number of lines we normally have. You need to pay us more money. Like he's like, we need yeah. we should be getting more sure. money. We're doing more work here. Um, and he was apparently notorious for always trying to hand off lines. He'd be like, well, yeah, Frazier can say this line. <laughs> like so, he's trying to, uh, and then he's. Uh, uh, which is interesting because he uh, he is um, uh, an actor who, uh, and you can kind of see his performance. He would basically never say the same line twice. He would always he would always get the gist of it right, um, but he would kind of just say whatever, right? So he'd be like, oh, "Okay, come in, enter, welcome," you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, 
and we were, he was fine. Like he, he was, it was, a, was a, a, a way of performing. And then, um, so it's interesting is that later we'll talk about this when we watch the episode, but, um, he does an episode with John Pertwee, the third doctor who liked to be letter perfect. He, he memorized the whole script. Wow. And, knew every line. and so they clashed because they, it was very difficult. To, he was like, <laughs> when are you, are you done? What do you say? You have to end on the line. I'm expecting an end on. <laughs> right. Um, there he's waiting for a particular yeah, word exactly. to come at the end. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, so Chatham's performance is, is a bit more improv, I guess you could say, um, that is his classic sort of persona of like sort of this, oh, oh, uh, oh, my giddy aunt and oh, oh, no. And like, you know, he's uh, the children like harassing him and he kind of freaks out. And it's supposed to be his sort of, oh, he's so unassuming. Oh, you're not going to think this guy's a threat. And then like, you know, then he gets the scene sort of uh, we just did where he's, you know, he's sort of tough taking command. You know, you've given me equal power. And so that's that's sort of how he intended to play it. It is a little, hmm. it can get a little strange. Um, uh, it struck me as very different from, uh, I guess, Tomb of the Cybermen was. Uh, he's a little darker, a little more subdued uh, in, in Tomb. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, on, the, on the whole dream thing, in books, they do return to the land of fiction. Uh, so oh, they, okay. that suggests <laughs> it's not a dream. Um, although, you know, again, that's in the book. So um, yeah, that may, may or may not be true. Um uh, but yeah, the sort of this, oh, and so what is what is uh, this is also a pickup of the last story, of the Dominator. So the lava was the end of the last story. So they don't do it as much in the Second Doctor's era, but they do still occasionally end on a cliffhanger from one story and, and lead into the other. Um, the consolation is the Dominator is way worse than this story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when we get to that one, just wait. <laughs> I once met a theme in the south of France, a beautiful theme, I married her, then we sort of grew apart, and we died. (laughs) (laughs) It's just sort of a whole story in that one. Blah, 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 Uh, we died. (laughs) A lot of times, you know, you hear a song, it's like a snapshot in time. You never find out like, well, what happened to them? Well, they probably died died in the end. I mean, at some point. Mm -hmm. So So that song gives us closure. That's right. You don't get from music because it's always repeating. And you can listen to that theme song, (laughs) and then you can be like, "Great, I can move on. Never need to know anything more about that song." (laughs) (laughs) Those people are dead now. (laughs) I don't need to worry about. (laughs) So we here on Intump, Mm -hmm. no, not the Mind Probe, believe uh, we are adherents of the repeating themes, and uh, this time we thought, let's talk about. Let's just face facts here <laughs> and let's talk about filler episodes mm. and you know we've talked about episodes in a bottle which is a little bit of a different thing yeah. this is more these both feel like things where it's like hey we just got to get from a to b here yeah. well actually we got to get from a to c so someone make up a b <laughs> <laughs> right that's what they both feel like yeah um I mean, we'd probably be doing a disservice to fear her uh but well, i guess i mean i guess the thing that we um uh Maybe this. I think we all do with all series, right? I mean, there are sort of. It's like uh, you know, we we can remember the big episodes and forgetting that there are little episodes in between. <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, you know, they they can't broadcast a test pattern. Um, well, and I guess they, when they a standalone episode is really classic, you've referenced a couple times yeah. the episode Blink, and I haven't seen that, but like you said, that's like classic, and it's, it's to me, it sounds like it's sort of a standalone thing. And if they're great, then it's just like, hey, that was a really great episode. But when a standalone episode isn't good, it feels particularly empty because sometimes when it's a kind of a crappy episode, but 
you kind of move the ball down the field and something happens with the overarching plot, yeah. then you feel okay. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah. oh, well, it's worth okay. the investment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I'll just, you know, I'll just, I, think, I think there's an advantage to sometimes you want to do these episodes because you just enjoy the characters and you want to be around them. And, and so it's like, oh, well, it's just cool to see them experiencing an adventure or something like that. Um, but yeah, whereas here, Mel, yeah, again, maybe it's like, well, but yeah, you know, it's also like everything can't be an epic episode. It's like, um, it's like, I think I've, I, we've talked about this. I don't think we've talked about the podcast, but the interview John Cleese did about making faulty towers. And, you know, he said that they made the first faulty towers, of course, the greatest to come ever made. <clears throat> uh, hopefully all of you have seen it. If not, please stop the podcast immediately. Go watch faulty towers. Uh, it's only 12 episodes then return. Uh, here, I actually recently had a dream where they had another six episodes, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> very specific, <laughs> very dream. exciting. Um, no, wait for people coming back from having just watched Faulty Towers, pretty good, right? Yeah, pretty amazing, good. Yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, right. Anyway. Um, so uh, but uh, they so they did the first six episodes, and I think it was about three years before they did the next six. And uh, John Cleese did an interview on one of the DVDs where he said it was really difficult to write the next six because by the time they started to write them, the first six was a huge, a huge hit. hit. And he said, everybody remember, all people remembered is the best parts of the first ones. Right. And they wanted the whole thing on that level now for the next one. So they said, by the time, if we tried to do a third series, it would have been such an impossibly high standard. Um, and in particular with Faulty Towers, uh, it's farce, which I love farce. But the, the thing about farce is the first 15 minutes are very slow because it's setting up all of the rules and the things that are going to happen or the callbacks that will come when you get to the really funny bits, right? But like it, it has to be a little bit slow kind of at the beginning because it's building up. Um, so well, I think I it's think a little bit it. here too. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, we've got these great legendary episodes, but it's also like, it's also just sort of bog standard. I mean, there's horrible episodes like the creature from the pit, which are great in their terribleness. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's brilliant episodes like, uh, uh, like tooth and claw or something like that, which are like, Oh, that's awesome. And, and then, yeah, then there's just like, this is just good. This is just solid doctor who, but it's pretty unremarkable. It's doctor. Yeah. Who. I mean, it's obviously all execution. There's no perfect thing to it because for example, with uh, love and monsters, which we looked at last week or two weeks before, I don't remember. But uh, that, to me, would do something that I would hear about and think like, oh, really interesting. Be like, hey, it's a standalone episode. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take this really different vantage point and explore something really differently. So like in my mind, I would think, oh, cool. We see a different side that we never get to see. But then I really hated it. <laughs> and now this one doesn't feel particularly novel. Uh, it's sort of a you know monster of the week situation and it's in london it's like all the trappings of a doctor who episode is like they show up in london an alien is causing havoc they go in and solve the problem it's kind of a straightforward thing yeah. similar to uh the idiot's lantern and actually in a way though it's not historical but similar to um uh what you just mentioned tooth and claw mm. I, I think it comes down to execution it's like they, they end up being the filler episode could be incredible and amazing and sort of freeing because they don't have to carry on the overarching plot or it could just be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of why we don't do that episode, because <laughs> <laughs> that angle is not something we're interested in. Uh, I guess there's no way of knowing. I, but, yeah, I, it it feels like this season, which is interesting because it's the second one now. Okay, no Doctor Who for, is it 15 years prior mm, to the first season? Well, if you, count, if you discount the, the movie, the 96 movie. 
Which I do out not. of hand because. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, well, not much in fifteen years. Yeah, one. Okay, one so uh, but a bit of gap there. Um, and then you have this first season, and it's possible uh, that you know that first season is done almost like the first album of a band where it's like a bunch of ideas have been percolating around in people's yeah. heads forever, and they craft this season again. I'm sure not knowing if it's going to fail or if they're really ever going to do it again. Um, and then the second season, it's like, well, now's the challenge of you've got to figure out a machine that keeps making this. Yeah. And it really does feel like this season, though it has some high highs, uh, definitely the the gaps where it falls down, uh, you really do see. I would probably get through the second season as a fan and wonder like, oh, are we going to be able to do this? Because <laughs> that was a little hit or miss well, there. You know, not to say it, it's a lot like the second season of The West Wing, which, uh, you know, the first season of The West Wing is amazing. Nobody had ever seen anything like it before. Right. It was incredible. Even with like Mandy and other weird yeah. things in right. it, it, just it was great. Trace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the second season starts off with that, uh, the flashback episode in the Shadow of Two Gunmen, right, where they go back. I mean, Amazing. The assassination is incredible. And then, yeah, and then you do kind of feel, then there's sort of a string of episodes, I think, right, right up till about mid-season that, again, are, are, it's the West Wing. They're great. I mean, they're all good, but they just kind of are like, okay, well, now it's just sort of regular West Wing now, and everybody's like, mm, <laughs> come on. <Right. laughs> Why hasn't he been assassinated again? <laughs> but as then, no as we see in, like, seasons uh, four and five, going the other way and saying, we're just going to make crazy things happen repeatedly right. is like not a good way to go either. So you really do have to find like, like I said, what's, how does the engine of this work? How do we do the same? The whole challenge of TV is, and it's particularly with American TV more so than British TV, but these are 10, 13 episode seasons. So it's a lot of episodes is how do I do the same thing over and over and over again, yeah. but it's interesting. Um, and like, it really does need to be, I mean, you know, cheers still to me is the, uh, one of the examples of like, it's just the most amazing show that they literally almost never leave right. a, a bar. They just stay in a bar and it's the a same five people. It's, it's a pretty static. They're barely even like moving. And of course there's some episodes where they leave, but usually you never even follow them. They just like, let's say there's like a softball game as part of the plot. You just see them come back from the softball <laughs> game into the bar. And so it's so amazing that they still find ways to, to keep you entertained and, and, and fresh, uh, with the show so in retrospect i think doctor who should be more like cheers i mean yeah, that's clearly right. it uh <laughs> there was the 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 sixth doctor was exiled to a bar for an entire season okay. <laughs> so oh, it was a weird go. it was a weird season <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah no i mean and it is i mean you know there are there are obviously sort of a set types of stories uh and uh the interesting thing about the mind robber bringing all the themes back in. We've really gone on a whirlwind journey through this theme so far. We've hit several major I like it. I'm ready. Bring it home. Lay on the plane. (laughs) Mind robber. Uh, So the the second Doctor era was famous for uh, so-called base under siege stories. So almost all the stories were they would arrive somewhere, like a, a base on the moon a base in the arctic or whatever and then aliens would be trying to get in for some reason uh and uh you know mormon aliens to try to talk to them about sure know, just uh, to hand out pamphlets <laughs> yeah but they would have to fight the aliens to prevent them from getting in and talking about jesus uh so um so there was a lot and so yeah so suddenly it was like the, the interesting about the mind robbers like it was an attempt to to break the the pattern to do something different um and and sort of have this this out there out there idea um and yeah i mean like I, again probably like fear is like 
on the page you could be like yeah this is this is a solid story and you know how it's executed will be the difference between you know if it is a legendary story like uh, like the robots of death um on paper that is not probably the most gripping <laughs> tale um but it's just it's well designed and well directed and it just becomes an interesting story um so yeah there must be an element of if you're a writer that you're just kind of like well hopefully this works <laughs> see what happens here um it's just kind of interesting um you do uh, on the mind robber you do sort of think uh, about is it fair to steal other fictional creations for your story <laughs> um and to be like ah, i'll just throw in gulliver and some other random stuff here um that which is always you know I mean, obviously, anything in the public domain, I suppose. <laughs> but, it's uh, fine. I mean, it, again, it just made it so magical, and it, it felt very unlike Doctor. Also, it's like I'm going to. T I guess it's Earth reality, but it's just so funny. That it's like I'm going to take all the stories from all of reality, and it's just these these five stories. It's like <laughs> well, there's probably a lot of other culture out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, the master, he's a real jerk. He's a real <laughs> heel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love so to take, get that guy a piece of my that, mind, buddy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we did it. We landed the plane. That was the theme section. We did it, John. <laughs> John O. There are. Uh, how you are? You here? Are you back? Are you mm, ready? Mm, yeah. Ready to I'm go? In. I'm in. Let's, let's make this happen. Have we started recording the show yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I recorded <laughs> most of what we said for the last hour, so that'll oh, probably be the show. Oh, oh boy. Boy, sorry, everybody. Thanks for thanks for staying with it. <laughs> if you're still here, so there are uh, there are over Lots. 295 Doctor Who stories. We've ranked, you know, at the outset, I used to say, "Wow, we've only ranked a few of them." We've ranked a good chunk of them now. We've ranked 38 of them, so mm -hmm. ranked about 15 percent here of of the Doctor Stewart uh, Doctor <laughs> Who Stew. stories. Mm -hmm. Doctor Stewhories mm -hmm. is something else. Um. But now we got to rank these two, and there's just no way around that. We got to do it. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you where I have these. <laughs> I have these at the bottom. Mm. I don't like these. Mm -hmm. I, do, I can't explain why I particularly didn't like them that much, but I really just didn't like them. Mm. So fear her. I have... Um, <laughs> I, it goes in a rare group that goes below Vengeance on Varos. Mm. Below Meglos. Wow. wow. I'm going to put Fear Her right behind Meglos because you know what? If Fear Her had had a talking cactus, <laughs> I'd be in. I'd be more in. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just I just really didn't enjoy it. Like I said, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. The 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 forced inclusion of Olympic fever just really put me <laughs> off. I was like, well, I don't care about this at all. Mm -hmm. Um and then the mind robber, I also really didn't like and uh i'm going to put uh i'm going to put below my panic attack episode so i'm going to put it below edge of destruction but i am going to leave uh love and monsters at the bottom so ah, it's uh, okay. it's next to last on my list and not upsetting the apple cart again they're not um i think maybe they suffer from for me why they rank so low is it's not that they're so terribly bad, but they just, I watched the whole thing and I'm like, eh, I don't even care about this. <laughs> like, that's just <laughs> nothing is gripping me. Um, 
Maybe you know, we should just give up on the podcast. And, <laughs> yeah, and they're life. just driving me <laughs> toward uh, towards sloth and laziness. What's the point of it all? What's the point of it anymore? I mean, yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. I watch these and I have this feeling of like, what are we even doing? What? Are we... <laughs> Which is it is somewhat ironic. This episode is going to be the first episode going out not under Donald Trump as president. So this should yeah. be a sort of the morning in America. <laughs> yeah, the rebirth. But right. it's more like how we all feel right now, which is like, oh, this might as well happen. Well, to be fair, when this airs, <laughs> we'll probably be in the midst of the yeah. impeachment trial and all these things. So, so the, the, the yeah. stink is not still <laughs> off the, the country. Probers, conservative probers. Probers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Well, no, not conservatives, just no, people who don't believe in, in democracy, America, in democracy in general. Yeah. You can go uh, there yeah. you can go yeah. All right. right. Well, where do you, where do you, where do you, what are you doing? Oh, you doing? I don't know. Must we, must we go through this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I too put them low. Uh, so I, I was tempted at first to put Fear Her um, right by the Idiot's Lantern because it's basically the same episode, uh, except without right. gay Mark Datus. Um, still gay. Still gay. Okay. Yeah, we, we have a still gay. We have a call out to his representatives, but until he until yeah. he ch- we hear something different. Yeah. I, I mean, need something like, affirmative. I'm not going to report. I'm not going. We are our our news desk is not going to the notes not to mind for a news desk. Will not go without confirmation, which is fair. It's quality journalism. Or we talk. Oh yeah, fear. So <laughs> so once I once I was like, all right, it's not better than the Idiot's Lantern. Then I just started working my way down the list. And, <laughs> you um, just keep going. It just keeps going down, uh, and I am I am putting it um, uh, uh, below Megalos, uh, uh, just above the edge of destruction and Vengeance on Baros. It doesn't it doesn't actively anger me like Vengeance on Baros does. <laughs> See, Vengeance <laughs> of Baros, by the way, creeping up my list. <laughs> so who knows? I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's 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 gonna be in your top, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't I don't quite know how numbers work at this point. Mm. I don't think it can ever get higher than forty. It could be in my top. So yeah. it could be in my top forty. I mean, yeah, if, right. if, so if everything else worse. is worse than it. I guess yeah. that's how numbers work. So anyway, yeah, it's above the edge of destruction too because yeah, at least it's competently produced. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> And then I have the mind robber just a little bit above it. Um, I I give the mind robber uh, I put it uh, just below Delta and the Bannerman just because Delta they both try hard. They both have there's an idea there and they're trying hard. But the Delta and the Bannerman is just fun. It's so uh, much more fun, yeah. yeah. And the mind robber, uh, you know, again it, it gets it, it comes above New Earth and above Megalos um, uh, for me. Well, you have uh, New Earth really low. Yeah, that one just does not excite me and. Also, it has face tattoos, and we mentioned in uh, I don't like face tattoos and uh, cat women. Yeah, and cat women. So, um, uh, but I, I I appreciate the mind robber for uh, the creative story. The, the idea behind it is really creative, and I it, as I say, you can tell some thought went into it. And um, and I do like Trouton uh, and, and his performance, but um, yeah, that was that's the best I can do. That's all. That's all I got. I, and I'm, I'm spent. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, uh, you can go to mindprobe.show and you can see this rankings. You can see the order in which we're going to watch uh, the next few episodes. If you would like to watch along, we'd love that. Uh, We'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. If you're not already, go to your Mm -hmm. favorite podcastering device and uh, tune it up there on the dials and then uh, hit the old subscribe red flashing button. What what if you receive podcasts? I don't want you podcastering because that suggests you're making podcasts and we don't need the competition. 
podcast 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 no that's podcast receiver yeah there you're a podcast bottom like if you're a podcast (laughs) bottom So oh uh, mm-hmm. you uh, you'll need to subscribe to the podcast. First of all, you're going to need to subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> you're going to need to because so otherwise gonna, you'll just have to check on your own and you're going to forget. You're going to exactly. You don't yeah, it take it takes all the the work and irritation out of it. You right? don't <laughs> need that stress. It's a new Biden. The Biden administration is all about just laying, kicking back and having a few beers and just letting the government just kind of go do stuff. Don't worry about it. You know, exactly. Uh, the, in fact, the, the message that won Joe Biden the uh, the election is he sent out a tweet that mm-hmm. said, if I'm president, you won't have to worry if what I'm tweeting about. Yeah. <laughs> I think that won the election. So we're all good, everybody. Um, yeah, so crazy. we would love that. Uh, yeah. Also, if you'd like to contact us. Well, let me tell Don't. you about this. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you about this it's currently there's not a great way to do it i need to we're go in meetings we've got a lot of people talking <laughs> trying to figure out how to oh i out. need to move our thing to a different host and then get email accounts set up and we're yeah. going to do that in the meantime i have yeah. not deactivated my twitter if you want to reach out to me on twitter it's at porter mason and you can use the hashtag hey i thought you were going to set up email accounts <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll know that's that's coming from you yeah, um john what do we have in store for next episode? Anything well, exciting? <gasps> it's well, the series. It's the season finale. Yeah, it's the season finale. It's the season finale of Mind oh. Probe, when, uh, which we retroactively decided to start doing seasons. Uh, it's the um, season finale of, of uh, David Tennant's first season. Um, and it, it lifts us out of our current nadir of malaise. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so we have it's morning in America. The two, yeah, two, two, a double episode, Army of Ghosts, followed by the potentially named Doomsday. Uh, and we have paired that, and I won't, I, I, I do not give away why the pairing has occurred. No, uh, I know nothing. Time. But we uh, paired that with the fifth Doctor episode, Earthshock. All one word. Yeah, Earthshock. One word, folks. Earthshock. I'm kept in the dark. Prober, probers. Mm-hmm. So you understand, I'm kept in the dark about that stuff. I am like a bag is put over over my head, and I'm <laughs> led to an undisclosed location, and then like Doctor Who has played yeah. for me, kind of like a. a a clockwork orange my eyes are peeled back and doctor <laughs> who shot into my brain and that's that's well, how that works because if you watch it on Britbox, the surprise in Earthshock shock is blown for you by the uh you know, by the by the by the graphics and the um, the thumbnails that they use so. oh somehow i didn't notice at all <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> when i looked still uh, john yeah. sausages john that's what i want to talk about <laughs> sausages our podcast episodes have become like a string of sausages all the same all the same delicious but all the same though some say our podcast has become more like so many strips of bacon fatty also delicious and ultimately causing heart disease i believe our podcast is a major contributor to heart disease in this country and it's got to stop i mean we've we've our podcast clogs the arteries of our fans in a big way, John. What are you going to do about it? You know what prevents it? Uh, subscribing and giving five stars. That is known <laughs> mitigator of heart disease. A joke and a plug all in one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So clear those arteries and smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you have no platform. Have, John, have you been deplatformed? Totally out. Totally out of platforms. No, wait. That, to be fair, you are not on any social <laughs> networks. But I mean, for all the world, it sur- sure looks like you've been deplatformed. Well, you know, if, if, if Senator Hawley is correct, the fact yeah. that um, no one has published my <laughs> novel is also a violation. Of That's a violation right, of right? free speech. Yeah. I have a novel. I haven't finished it yet <laughs> or started it. But but why am I not allowed to publish it? All 